Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence this morning. We know that where you are, there's freedom, there's grace. And we just want to be a part of that and show that to the world, Lord. Work through us, make these songs yours, and just let us praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sin and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grants you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee. We glorify Thee. We give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty. O Lord God, God's Son, Jesus Christ. O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord, Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen.
Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things, both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear, according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 111. We'll read it responding by the asterisk. Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. The works of the Lord are great. His work is honorable and glorious. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. He has given food to those who fear him. He has declared to his people the power of his works. The works of his hands are verity and justice. They stand fast forever and ever. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, commencing. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. 
And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Gospel of our Lord according to St. Mark. St. Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Christian, can you give me a bottle of water, actually? Sorry. A little practical thing there. Excuse me. So today is a baptism. In fact, we're doing two baptisms. And if you know this, baptisms are some of the things that I think... I think that when a baptism happens, we underestimate the value rather than overestimate the value, in my opinion. Sometimes we get used to the forms, thank you, we get used to the forms of our life, the rituals, the things that we do, and we just kind of tune in, okay, it's a baptism, we're just going to say the words, it's a little bit of a different service, we've got the baptismal font in the front, but every baptism, I want to challenge us to take a moment and remember what it means that we are a part of the family of God. Today we're going to talk about 
not a lesson that we read today, not the gospel that we read today, but we're going to talk about what it means to be a part of the family of God, what baptism signifies in our life. So as we begin this morning, why don't we just bow our heads and pray? Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would speak your words to your people. I pray that you would guide my thoughts, that they would be pleasing to you, my words, that they'd be pleasing to you. And I pray that as we dive into the word that you've given us, your scripture, I pray that the chains that we carry would be broken, Lord. I pray that there would be freedom in this place, Lord. And I pray that even as we look at the ways that we are called to live, that we would be empowered by your spirit to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's some people that I've met in my life who are different than others. There are some people who I've met in my life where when I have a conversation with them, there's something different about them. And not in a bad way. There's something different in a good way. There's a few particular individuals that I've met who, if they invited me to go clean the latrines down at a public porta potty, I would join them because they were there. And those people, you might be thinking like, oh, you know, like a celebrity or somebody with a lot of power or a CEO. That's not the type of person I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who, when you encounter them, you know that they have Christ within them. That it just shines forth in the way that they engage with you. You might be able to think of people like that. Maybe people like that have intimidated you. Maybe people like that have made you feel bad about yourself because you think, man, they're so great. What's up with me? I know I felt those things as well, but I also know that as I got to know these individuals who I hold up as standards to look up to, that I've more and more felt loved, more and more felt built up and encouraged. And it's not that they were going out of their way to tell me how great I am, how good looking I am, although those things I'm sure are true. It's that they were exuding the spirit of God. They just lived their life in such a way that you could tell that they loved Jesus. And because they loved Jesus, you could tell that they loved you. When I think of how I want to grow up, I think I want to be like those people. Now, I will say, and some of them I will say right now, I'll give, I'll give up a secret. Some of them are in this room. Some people who, when I talk to them, man, they just encourage me to think differently, live differently. They make me feel like God really is moving in our lives. But more than me wanting to grow up to be like them, I think that the best thing I can say about them is that I want my children to grow up to be like them. And that's part of what baptism is about. Because that thing, that mysterious difference in those people, it began when they were welcomed into the kingdom of God. That seed that we plant in baptism is the seed that can grow into a person who, no matter what they're doing, they are exuding the Spirit of God. They are representing Christ on earth. And you know what? Each one of us has the same Spirit in us as all those people that I look up to. And when we sang that song today, right, Set Me Ablaze, and then we said, uh, well... There's words, but we said something along the lines of the same spirit, the same power is living in me. 
There's a reason that that's so powerful. It's because not only is it the same spirit that's in those individuals, it's the same spirit that's in our Lord Jesus Christ, the same spirit that was in Paul that inspired him to write the words that would change the world in Christianity. And all of that is living in us. So when I hear words in our culture like, well, Christians are just the same as anybody else. They have the same problems. They act the same. They sound the same. They go do the same things. I know that there's something wrong. If that's the way that we present ourselves to the world, if we present ourselves to the world in a way that they think, well, Christianity can't be true because they're just as messed up as all of us, then I know that there's something that people are missing. If you look at your own life and you think, what's the difference between me and my neighbor, then maybe there's a place that you can grow. Maybe there's a place that God wants to inspire you to be different, to live differently. We're going to look through Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. And we're going to look through, this is the classic uh, contrast between the flesh and the spirit, the way of living in the world and the way of living as a Christian. It's the fruit of the spirit. You guys have heard the words often, but I hope today as we go through them that you will be inspired and not condemned, that you'll be convicted and invited to enter into the fruit that is your inheritance as a son and daughter of God and not guilty and ashamed. I hope that as we look through these things, we will think of all the ways that God wants to manifest himself in our life and bring the kingdom of God in our life. Trust me, when I read the list, you're all going to want these things. So we'll start with that. Keep these in mind as we talk through these scriptures. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Okay. I feel convicted already, and I just read a list of words. I don't measure up. But let's talk about not just the fact that it's easy to feel convicted, but let's talk about how to press into these characteristics that God wants to grow in us. We're going to start a little bit before then. In verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So that's like a lot of words, right? It's like the desires of the flesh versus the desires of the spirit. And maybe in your mind you hear that and you go, well, that's just a bunch of Christian gobbledygook. It doesn't make any sense, right? So there's the spirit and it's warring with the flesh. But does that mean that like eating a nice meal is a bad thing? Does that mean that gratifying the flesh by taking a nice, uh, you know, getting a massage or uh, basically does that mean that our material concerns are insignificant? Absolutely not. We lose some of the language here of what's going on. When he talks about the flesh and the spirit, he's talking about your place of motivation and control. He's not talking about the things that you're doing, right? Because the spirit calls us to do things here on earth, embodied, to live on earth in the flesh in a way that's different. When he's talking about the flesh, he's talking about the old man, the man who was ruled by lust 
and passion. Not the man who was ruled instead by the Spirit of God. We feel this tension, as Paul said earlier in this letter, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. If you don't resonate with that, then I don't know who you are, because I struggle with that, right? There are things that I know I want to do, and I just can't do them. That's what he's trying to talk about here. That there seems to be this war within us to want to be a certain way and to not be that way. And then he throws out this random idea. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But if you've read the whole letter, it's not random at all. Because what he's talking about here is this church of Galatia. And I just have to mention it. We don't have to go deep into this, but I want to mention what's going on here. You had the people who accepted Jesus who were trying to bring the Jewish tradition into Christianity. Which basically meant they were telling these new Christians, uh, hey, you believe, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And they go, okay, I believe. And they go, okay, let's schedule the surgery for Monday because you're going to get circumcised. It's an awful pitch for a new religion. And it's not at all what God wanted to do. Because, not because circumcision was bad. Under the covenant, God invited them into that, etc., etc., right? There are still people who to this day, for medical reasons, get circumcised. It's a thing. But the reason that God was against this particular movement in the church was because what they were really trying to do was trying to bring bondage to the law of sin and death. What they were trying to do was to create a religion that was based on the works you do that will get you to salvation. They were putting a list, a checklist that you had to check off in order to get there. And what the reason Paul is emphasizing this idea, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, is that we were actually saved for freedom's sake. Christianity is not like other religions in the sense that every other religion will give you a list of things to follow in order to achieve your salvation. Christianity says, hey, you're in if you accept Jesus Christ. And the whole process of transformation, everything we're talking about today, is so that you can taste and see the goodness of God. You already are bought with a price. You already are welcomed when you accept Jesus Christ into his kingdom. Everything that we talk about today is not a basis for salvation. It's not a basis for welcoming you into the kingdom. It's a basis for helping you experience and live out the promise you've already been given. All right, we're going to talk about the, the most fun part of this sermon, which is the list of vices, right? We all love hearing about all the sins that we might be uh, struggling with. So we're going to get through this, and it's not going to be a Sunday school lesson. It's not going to be a lecture. But let's read this, and I'll have a couple things to say about it that I hope will change the way that we think about these things. He goes on, right? He's saying, walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Now he's going to tell you what that means. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, and as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. Because I just gave you a list of things that if you do them, then you don't inherit the kingdom of God. 
And I just told you before that, well, you're already, your entrance into the kingdom of God is bought and paid for. So what is Paul saying here? Well, there's this great tension throughout the scriptures when it says, first, our salvation is a free gift of grace. And even these babies who are being baptized today are welcomed into that without even accepting it for themselves. That there's a special thing that happens in baptism where the parents say, we dedicate this baby to the kingdom of God. We enter them into the sacrament where they are died and raised to newness of life with Jesus. And they don't have to do a thing to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. And that is the beauty of Christianity. But what Paul is saying here, when he says people who practice this list of awful things, this list of things that we struggle with ourselves, that they won't inherit the kingdom of God, what he's saying is that they could even be standing in the kingdom of God and they wouldn't see it because they'd be blinded by this list of, I'm calling them vices today. Because when we talk about these things, we often think this is our list of don't do this. Don't disobey your parents. You know, don't murder, don't kill, don't lie, don't steal, don't cause rivalries, dissensions, divisions. And while there is, that, that is what he's saying, right? Don't do those things. What he's really saying is all of those things are a lie. He's not saying don't do them because I want you to be better. I want you to be the good Christian person and I want to put this law on you. What he's saying is when you follow these things, you might think that you're looking for the lies that they present, the freedom to choose. But really, even though they're tempting, even though they might feel good, you're choosing between life and death when you look at these things. When you look through these and you look at idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, they're all various forms of slavery. And What I want to pull out of this is not a list of the ways that you aren't measuring up because I can pick my (laughs) envy. Boom. I've struggled with that. Divisions. I've struggled with that. Strife. You can look at your list and you can start thinking of all the things you've struggled with. And I don't want to make it about that today. I want to make it about this. If you think that any of these things is benefiting you, then you've bought the lie. The truth is that they're leading you into slavery. I could go on and on, but I want to move on to the idea embedded in here, which is that although there's a tension in Scripture between the free gift of grace and this idea of transformation and repentance and the call to change your life, I think we can think differently about this today. When you think about the fact that Jesus has died on the cross, he has paid the price for us to enter the kingdom of God. And then you think about the call over and over again in the New Testament to repent of sin and to turn to God and to be transformed. What I want you to think about is the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. We often are so cynical when we look in our surroundings and we feel hopeless. We feel far from the peace and the grace and the promises of God. And what is happening in here when Paul's warning people not to fall into these vices, what he's saying is clear your eyes, open your eyes, get away from these vices, embrace the fruits of the Spirit and the fruit 
the kingdom of God is right, it's all around you. It's in front of you. It's within you. So let's look about what that does when we turn away from the vices and we walk with the Spirit. Let's look at the fruit of the Spirit here. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is what we want, right? We want to have the fruits of the Spirit in our life. This is the transformation we're talking about. So I'm going to go through some of these, but I want to point out one element of the fruit of the Spirit that we often miss. We think of the fruit of the Spirit as though it's the fruits of the Spirit, that these are all these various things that we have to master, that we have to have the discipline to display, right? We have to have the discipline to conquer love, joy, peace, faithfulness. But really it's the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a promise embedded within Christianity that if you walk with Him, He will bring that to pass. It's like an apple tree, right? If you plant an apple tree... Do you tell the apple tree every day, hey, work really hard. I want you to produce apples. No, you don't, right? You water the tree and you watch it grow and it will produce apples. When you are in the kingdom of God, when you're a Christian, when you're walking with the Spirit, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So some of what I want to tell you today is that the striving, the, the fighting, the trying to work out our salvation can sometimes be a burden that we put on ourselves when God's just saying, walk with me and let me bring the fruit. When it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, these are things that will happen if you trust Him and you walk with Him. You will become more gentle, patient, loving, joyful. Now let's talk about some of the ways that we can embrace these fruits. When we talk about love, I think we all know every one of these fruits, the root of them is love. And the idea that came to me when I was thinking about this is about my children. I am more joyful, patient, kind, good, peaceful, Sometimes more peaceful. But I can maintain more peace, more faithfulness, more gentleness with my children than anybody else on the planet. Why is that? That we can be more kind and good to our children, more patient with our children than anybody else. Because love breeds all of those things. And there's something about your children, for those of you who are parents, where you love them so much that it brings out the best in you. Now, I'm not saying that automatically once you're a parent, you're going to be so great and perfect. Obviously, we all have places to grow. I've lost self-control. I've lost patience. I've lost peace in our household with our children. But there's something about that I want you to understand is that if you grow in love towards one another, you will exhibit the rest of these fruits. So if there's anything you want to grow in, grow in loving one another. And that's hard because you have to actually see somebody, accept them, and then want their benefit. And you know what? If you've met me, you might have had difficulty loving me because I'm not that great, really. You pull back the layers, you can find a million reasons to think I'm annoying, obnoxious, prideful, whatever you want to say. I have the list. There's a reason why we struggle to love one another. Because we are, well, we're all those things. All those, just think of the person you like the least and realize that 
Somebody probably thinks of you similarly. We are not that amazing. Now, God would love to make us that amazing. But the point of what I'm trying to say is we have to see others and love them. And it helps if you remember that you're not so easy to love either, right? Our wives help us, men, to remember that we're not that easy to love, right? She's really good at reminding me of that. No, she's really awesome. But there's a thing when you get close to somebody that you see deeply and you have to love deeply, right? That's the call. And then that will bring out the rest of the fruits in your interactions with them. And then we talk about joy, and I have one question for joy. Have you ever been tired? Ever in your life? Of course we have. And maybe this last year more often than any other year. I don't know. It's been hard. I've been tired this past year. I'm an extrovert, and they're telling me I can't hang out with people. That's awful. I can't stand it. But there's something even deeper in our culture where there's been this blanket, this oppression, where even the normal things that you do have been harder to do. And maybe you've been able to break through that. And thank God for you. I hope that we all can. But we should acknowledge the fact that it's been an exhausting year. When you're talking about joy, I want you to think about how tired you are. Because you know what it says? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I was just reading this psychology thing. There's these tests or whatever. And they they link joy with energy, with strength, with ability to go on. Can you think of a time when you were joyful and then think of a time when you're tired? They're almost polar opposites. It's very rare that you'll find yourself feeling a lot of joy and exhaustion at the same time. Of course, it does happen. But the point is that when we have the joy of the Lord, we have enough strength that even in our moments of weakness and exhaustion, we can persevere. One example for that, and we'll move on. The opposite of joy, when I think of that, is Scrooge, right? Even his name, Ebenezer Scrooge, conjures up this miserable image of awful greed and miserliness. He was not joyful because he was a slave to idolatry. The opposite of joy is idolatry in my mind. Because when you serve something that you think is going to give you satisfaction and it doesn't, it can ruin your life. But if you see the goodness of God in your life, then you will have joy. And the example of that is Tiny Tim. There was no reason why Tiny Tim should have more joy than Ebenezer Scrooge. If you remember the story, Ebenezer Scrooge had all the power, all the money, everything that we think should satisfy. And Tiny Tim was a sickly, poor individual who was going to on his way to dying. And his family had nothing. And yet he's the one that's thanking God for every little blessing, seeing the goodness of God in everyone he encounters. He's the one that holds out hope for Ebenezer Scrooge. I want you to think about joy in the sense of something that energizes you. And I want you to find that joy by looking for the goodness of God in your life. Thankfulness continues to multiply our joy. So when you have love towards people, you will start to exhibit these fruits. When you have joy, you will have the energy to persevere. And when you have peace, 
We'll read, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. There are connections here between thankfulness and joy and peace. But I want you to just put this in there. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace is all about not submitting to anxiety and stress. It's bringing that anxiety and stress before God, giving it to him, and letting the peace of Christ rule in their place. So if you're loving, you're joyful, you're full of peace, that starts to describe these people that I'm talking about, those people that I mentioned at the beginning, who I look up to, who I want to be like. And then patience, of course, is our favorite. And my one example of patience has to be my mom, Mia Harris. Uh, You guys know she's a remarkably patient woman. But I will tell you that we learn in the scriptures that patience comes through tribulations and trials. So really, mom's patient because I was awful. So that's good, right? She experienced the tribulation of her life in raising me. And now she's the most patient woman I know. You're welcome. But there's also this sense in which patience is our least favorite. In fact, they warn you not to pray for patience, right? Because how's God going to give it to you? He's going to try your patience. He's going to grow it in you through suffering and difficulty. The one thing I want you to think about when you think about that, he says, I rejoice in my tribulation, my trials, because I know it will produce endurance, patience. I want you to think about that when you hit these difficult places. Why is God growing in me? Think about how that could change your perspective. Rather than, woe is me, this is awful, why is this happening to me? It's, what is God growing in me? It doesn't make the hard thing go away, but it can give you the perspective that can help you get through it. Kindness and goodness. I just want to mention one th- two things here. Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. That's an awesome quote. I think about it all the time because you never know what's going on in somebody's life. So it's worth it to be kind to them. And then on the other side, this is not Ned Flanders' kindness. This is not the mother who allows her 28-year-old son to live with her, pays all his bills, and complains that he's not growing up. There's a kindness, a goodness towards people that's actually wrong. It's not actually kindness and goodness. And I'm not going to go deep into that, but I want you to think about the fact that kindness is about seeing people for who they are and treating them with their good in mind. It's like hard enough to just open your eyes and see people, but then you also have to engage the Holy Spirit, that love in your heart, to seek their good. Faithfulness. If there is one secret to Christianity, it is this. Never give up. The victory is already won. Don't give up. And then gentleness. We're told to speak the truth in love. And gentleness is not about what you do. It's about how you're doing it. So remember, it ties right in. You can see, if, as you build this out, you're like, I know people who are like this who are loving, joyful, peaceful. They're gentle. They're kind. They're good. And lastly, of course, the gold standard, self-control. Because, you know, if love is the root from which all these fruit grows, self-control is the branch that holds them up. Because if you don't give, if you don't have self-control, then, you know, as soon as that guy cuts you off on the freeway, your gentleness goes out the window. Your kindness, your goodness is gone. 
If you don't have self-control, then as soon as that temptation comes up again, whatever that is in your life, then you're, all of these things, the love, the joy, the peace, go out the window. So what is self-control about? It's about submitting your control to God. It's not about self-mastery. There's a lot of gurus out there who will teach you how to master yourself. But underneath it all, although it's important to have discipline, self-control is about submitting to God. Maybe there's one of these vices that we looked at that are your thing. Where I'm good, I love people, I do all these good things, but you hold on to that one thing. That's just, I'm, I'm impatient. I lose my temper sometimes. And that's your excuse. You've made that a part of your identity. I want to invite you today to walk in greater freedom and to know that your identity is not in your vices. Your identity is the apple tree that's going to bring forth apples. Your identity is the tree of the spirit that's going to bring forth the spiritual fruit. You're a part of the body of Christ. And so if you lack self-control, look for what you're serving that isn't God. Now, when we look at baptism, and I'll wrap up here, what are we doing in baptism? We are taking those things of the flesh, the vices we talked about, and we are crucifying them with Christ. And we are being raised into new life with him, into the life that is spirit-led, spirit-filled, and brings forth the fruit of the spirit. As we do this, I will invite you, as I did at the beginning, to remember your own baptismal covenant. There is something that happened when you were baptized, but it didn't stop there. Every time we do a baptism, I invite you to think about what God has done in your life and press into the promises of baptism, which is that your flesh has been crucified with Christ and that you have been invited into new life. You yourself can be the joyful, peaceful, patient, faithful, gentle, good person that you look up to, the one who exudes self-control, who shares the spirit with those you encounter. And it's not just about you. More and more I realize it's about everyone around you. It's about your wife, your kids, your family, your community. Imagine people who exude the fruit of the Spirit. And that's part of what we're doing today when we invite these babies into the sacrament of baptism. Remember your own baptism and live in the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you that we can take a time out of our week where we remember our own baptism and where we welcome people into your kingdom and into our family. I pray that you would bind our hearts together in this moment, in this morning, as we look upon these two who are being baptized and that we would, as we say the words where we promise to help bring them up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would actually make that come to pass in our hearts. That we would be the type of church where children are raised who are living in freedom and who are exuding the gifts of the Spirit. In your name, amen. Baptize a couple children. Join us. There we go.
Okay. Where's my deacon here? Deacon Pepperton. Okay. We're going to back this thing up a little bit, okay? So we can get the family here. Yeah, we can cram in here. Okay. We want to make sure that they have the booklets. They all have. Okay. The wonderful thing about doing a baptism like this is it brings such a realization of uh, what Jesse was talking about, the household of God, that we're all part of the same family. And uh, so you're going to see it's very, very responsive. Not only are you people going to have to uh, speak up, but all the people sitting here become a part of this this great congregation. Amen? The candidates will now be presented. Wonderful. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life? Will you, by your prayers and witness, help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ? Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? And do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? And do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? Now, will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support Mabel and Abram in their life in Christ? We will. Let us join, then, with those who are committing themselves to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. 
We strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being, born and unborn. I will with God's help. Let's now pray for Mabel and Abram who are to receive the sacrament of new birth. Deliver them, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Lord, hear our prayer. Open their hearts to your grace and truth. Lord, hear our prayer. Fill them with your holy and life-giving spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Keep them in the faith and communion of your holy church. Lord, hear our prayer. Teach them to love others in the power of the Spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Send them into the world in witness of your love. Lord, hear our prayer. Bring them to the fullness of your peace and glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized in the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it, we're buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection, and through it, we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those who were here cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. To him and to you and to the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Okay. We give priority to cameras here. <laughs> Mabel Rose House, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have the uh, Missy Sweetheart oil. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> Neighbor Will's house, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ own forever. Amen. Amen. What a sweetheart. There you go. Here's your little soul. Very important. There you go. You're one of us, kid. You don't get the candle. Okay. Abram, Michael, 
Oh, boy. He's quite alert. <laughs> Abram Michael, you were baptized. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Kevin. <laughs> I baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Oil for the quick. Look at what I'm a trooper. You are. Be a swimmer. Come on. We mark you as Christ's own. Where are we? You're sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ own forever. Amen. Amen. No, you're doing great, though. Yeah. Good job, Mr. Grandpa here. Yeah. Just look at this. This is for pictures. Very important. No, look, hey, she looks good. Okay. Godparents, all right, listen. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by the water and the Holy Spirit you bestowed upon these your servants the forgiveness of sin. You've raised them to new life and grace. Sustain them, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit and give them an inquiring, discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and love you, and the gift of joy joy and wonder in all your works. Let us welcome the newly baptized. We receive you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us his eternal priesthood. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. How are you guys doing? Peace. That was that was good. The Lord be with you. Our only announcements today, we're going to have uh, Shrove Tuesday coming up and Ash Wednesday just around the corner. That's February 16th for Shrove Tuesday. That's our awesome pancake supper. Uh, it's one of my favorite days of the year, I'll admit. And let's uh, turn and pray for the offering. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Thank you, Lord. We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord, and it's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you come. You who have been here often and you have not here been here long. You who have tried to follow, you who failed, you come. Because it's the Lord invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here. So come this morning to the table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death. And he's called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we'll proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, a death he freely accepted, he took bread and gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, which was, which was broken, which was, when supper was ended, he took the cup and he gave you thanks and praise and gave the cups to his disciples and said, drink this all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and our Bishop Douglas and all the clergy. Remember those from whom we now pray. Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sanja, Marie, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Kyle, Father David and Darcy, Bishop Davidson, the Majeski family, Jones family, Gage, Pamela, Barbara, Catherine, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, 
Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken and to receive the body and blood of Jesus. May we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share your eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Christ that taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb, the body and blood of Christ.
Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. As you go out from this place, remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's not mad at us. He's forgiven us. And best of all, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.